Quick reminder, don't forget you have until November 24th to enter our SparkJoy giveaway. We'll announce our winners during our best of show on December the 1st. Head over to sparkjoypodcast.com forward slash iTunes for instructions on how to leave a star rating and written review for the show. Then send us an email to contact at sparkjoypodcast.com to let us know you've left a review. Be sure to include your iTunes username for a chance to win one of three coveted Kanmari themed prize bundles that will definitely spark joy in celebration of our three-year anniversary. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the Kamari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified Kamari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Our guest today is Ivanka Solkowski. Ivanka is a former elementary school teacher whose life was transformed when she began learning the many benefits of minimalism and organization. Although she was always considered a tidy individual, after decluttering and applying minimalism to her surroundings, it was as if the pieces of her life puzzle all fell into place. It is because of these life-altering improvements that Ivanka decided to become a full-time professional organizer to help others find the same inner peace in their daily lives. She's a master Kanmari consultant with The Tidy Moose, which is based in Toronto, Canada. Welcome to Spark Joy, Ivanka. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you, ladies. We are so happy to have you because we've started down this Kanmari path around the same time. Like Karen and I, you took part in one of the first Kanmari consultant trainings that Marie Kondo ever offered in the U.S., So you're an OG, just like us, on the path since 2016. Tell us about the moment you decided to move from Kanmari fan to dedicated practitioner. You know what? I'm going to be fully honest with you. There was really no in-between fan and making that decision. I didn't really know who she was. Someone had given me the life-changing magic of tidying up as a joke because my classroom (laughs) was so tidy. Like one of the staff members said, you know, I saw this book at at the bookstore. It was like it was written for you. And I opened it up and I was like, oh, this I'll read it. It's a free book. And I read the whole thing very quickly because it was very addictive, obviously. I mean, being of that mindset. Um, so it was very intriguing to me. So I read it very quickly. And then I went to pass it along to someone else. And they said, can I just pay you to do it? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> like, is, that, is that illegal? Can I do that? I don't know. I had just heard of this woman like two days ago. And so I went online to try to find a contact information. I don't know if this is like so Canadian or so what, but it was like, I'm not going to do this until I know that it's okay <laughs> legally. So I went in to reach out to someone on the KonMari team to say, is it okay if I charge people to do this method? Like, And in the moments that I Googled her name, she opened up the registration for that first course ever in New York City. And so I thought, oh, this is me. Yeah, I'll try it. And then I didn't realize that it sold out very quickly. Like it was a very happenstance, like right place, right time kind of thing. So it wasn't as if three months earlier or a year earlier, I had read the book and was a fan. It was like a day or two from when I heard of who this woman was to when I signed up for the course. So it was, it was kind of funny how that happened. And now here I am. 
it was. It sounds to me like it was just all meant to be. I think so. I'm I'm a firm believer in that. So I think I think that is definitely an accurate statement, especially because I I left my career and my career as a teacher, and now this is what I do full time, and I love it. Like I've I've never been happier. You know, not all Kanmari consultants are minimalist, and not all minimalist are Kanmari consultants. But you, Ivanka, are both. We've talked about minimalism many times here on the show. We've covered it on episodes number 7, 34, 39, and 119. Like any popular lifestyle choice, it can often be misconstrued or misunderstood. So we would like to start with, how do you define minimalism and how does it show up in your life and in the work that you do? That's a great question. For myself, my definition of minimalism is in combination with the KonMari method. It's not just surrounding yourself with things that spark joy, but surrounding yourself with only the things that you need. So, you know, I don't need 700 t-shirts. There are only seven days in a week. So I only have seven t-shirts. So I don't have more than I need. And of those items that I have, I make sure that that minimal amount of items are my spark joy items. So the two kind of go hand in hand for me, which has been incredibly helpful. I love how you defined what it meant for you because minimalism is something that I've tried to test drive because I have such a high level of respect for people who live that lifestyle and can feel comfortable with the seven t-shirts. And for me, I've tried to test it out in my own life and I landed on a compromise. I'm super minimal in a few areas of my life. And then in other areas, I give myself permission to have more of a collection and a variety. With any major life shift, I imagine that you may have encountered some challenges along the way or along with your wins. Could you touch on some of these moments when you were transitioning fully into becoming a minimalist? Sure. Yeah. It wasn't a very quick transition. I will say that. I used to be an emotional shopper. So with any bad day, I would go shopping. If I was having a good day, I would go shopping. If it was Wednesday, I'd go shopping. Like my kind of release to any sort of emotion was to go shopping. So I had way more than I needed, but it started to weigh me down. And it was when I noticed how much it was weighing me down in my mental health that I, I thought, you know, like you go to the store, you buy this thing that makes you feel good for 30 seconds in the mirror only because some teenager who works there says, yeah, that looks great while she's on her phone and not even paying attention. And you're like, oh my gosh, that does look great. And then you come home and you really couldn't afford to buy this thing in the first place. You don't really have a place to wear it, yet you have this new piece of clothing. And then after that, you start feeling guilty because then you're like, well, could I afford it? Oh, I don't have time to go back and return it. What have I done? And then there's like this spiral. And then not to mention, there is a huge physical weight that's kind of pulled down having all of these items around. When I started to notice that, I started to just slowly donate clothing. And that's kind of where I started was with the clothing section. The more I got rid of the clothing in my room, the easier it was. And then I decided that I was going to do a year of no shopping. This was two years ago. So I had set the rules for myself. It was, it was very strict. It was, I could only buy what I needed to survive. So that included food. 
Like if I was craving a Mars bar, too bad. I don't need a Mars bar to survive. What do I need to survive? I need probably some broccoli or something. So spending money on groceries was very diligent as well with this minimalistic approach. And that really changed my patterns of consumption as a whole. And within that year, there was nothing coming in. And I was able to focus on what I already had there and slowly get rid of what I knew I didn't need. And that's kind of how I did that. And my kitchen, I have two plates, two forks, two knives, two spoons that I didn't even buy. I took them from my parents' house because I was like, you guys don't have company anymore. <laughs> I don't need to buy <laughs> stuff. I'll just borrow yours, you know, because I can only host one person in my apartment ever. So I will ever only need two at a time. And when I'm done with one, I just wash it right away. Like I don't need a whole set of 20. So that's kind of how I started going down this journey. And I'm still, even to this day, yesterday, I went through my drawers and donated a bunch of stuff. So I was like, mm, I'm not feeling it. The question, does it spark joy, is a simple one, but not so easy to execute alone. Extend your tidying experience by joining the Spark Joy Club, our online community filled with our clients, fellow listeners, and Kamari enthusiasts ready to support your journey. If you find yourself buried under clothing, stuck on storage, or pointing fingers at untidy housemates or family members, we want to help you finish your tidying journey once and for all. Support the show at the Joy Riser level and receive access to our exclusive virtual community, as well as the Tidy Home Joy Journal, your number one tidying companion. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click on Join the Club to get started. And now back to the show. This is so fascinating. And I want to talk with you more about this idea of minimalism. But I'm really curious about the process to determining how many of a particular item that you need. When you said that you only need seven t-shirts because there's seven days in the week, did you decide that you only needed seven first? Or when you went through your t-shirts, did you discover that you only really loved seven of them? And so it just fit into kind of the KonMari ideal along with a minimalist approach. The same with the, the dinner sets. Was it, well, I really only care about two sets of dishes that I have here and it just so happened that I could only have one other person in my apartment? Or was it the other way around? You said, I can only have two people. So no matter how I feel about these plates and the rest of the dinnerware, I'm only going to keep two. Yeah, I think in the kitchen department, because I'm not a big foodie. I'm not. So I eat salads. That's like my big thing. I'll cook if someone is coming over, but I don't love the whole cooking scene. So the kitchen, that was an easy one to do. There wasn't really spark joy anything in that kitchen because I just don't love being in the kitchen. So that was very more along the lines of practicality of, you know, I can only fit two people in an apartment. I only need two of everything done. Whereas the clothing part was a bit trickier because I I love fashion. And when I was a teacher, I would be that teacher who would wear, you know, dresses with trains on them. And I would have like a different outfit every day of the year. And the kids would notice, they'd be like, do you ever wear the same thing twice? And I took pride in an eighth grader telling me this. I'm like, really? Is like this where your, your external joy is coming from, from some 13 year old kid who says you're cool? Like, I really had to focus on what does joy mean to me? 
not like who am I trying to impress with all these clothes? So it was more of a from a practicality standpoint. And then once I narrowed down, because the seven days a week, that was just more of a rule that I made up. And from there, like pick your seven that spark the most joy, kind of, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. This dissection of kind of the number versus the joy, it reminds me of a TED Talk. I'm not sure if you ladies have listened to this yet, but it's called How Many Towels Do You Need? That's <laughs> literally oh the my God. of the TED yes. Talk. It's so fascinating. There's lots of minimalist-related TED texts, and we'll definitely link this one in our show notes. But it's just, I think we get so hung up sometimes on the number, um, but when it's really supposed to be the lifestyle that we lead with that drives the decision of how much or what type of things that we need. So I love that you really got in tune with living more intentionally and, and recognizing your behaviors and the joy and not, you know, trying to live up to someone else's expectation. And that's the beauty of organizing. It really can go deep sometimes. Definitely. And when I'm working with clients, I play the numbers game with them. Sometimes they don't love it. Obviously, as you ladies know, like you get to know the client and our whole point is of our job is to make sure that every client has a system that works for them. There is really no one system that works for everyone. So how we then arrange things within a home are based on the client, their their lifestyle, that sort of thing. So, you know, when I have a client say to me, oh, we just have so many towels, so much laundry. So I said, there are two of you living in this home. Why do you have 75 towels? Why do you have so much laundry? Like, I own one towel. I use it. When I need to wash it, I wash it. And then I make sure that I'm just not going to jump in the shower while I'm doing laundry because then I'm in trouble. I think if I had 10 towels, well, of course they would pile up on the floor because that would be my system, right? But when you eliminate the numbers, you're eliminating the stress in my mind anyway. And that's kind of what I try to to relay onto my clients to say, you know, the less you have, the less you have to focus on organizing and keeping organized once I leave. Well, and I think linens and towels and things are such a great example of that because in most homes, you change the sheets, you wash them, and (laughs) they go right back on the bed. So, you know, I mean, obviously people might feel that they need a couple sets just in case of emergencies. And certainly if there's more than one bed in the house that needs to be changed, then you might have a few more sets. But this idea of having 10 sets of sheets and 10 towels, I mean, for me, it's like, okay, there's, there's two of us here in this house. When the towels don't smell fresh anymore, which might be two days or it might be four days, then I wash them and then they go right back on the towel rack. I mean, I have more than two towels, but not a whole lot more. I mean, I really don't feel like I need that many more. And because I don't have all of my linen closet full of towels, I can put more things in there that we actually use. That's the kicker. I had a client who didn't know where to put their children's sporting equipment. I said, you have a massive closet with 75,000 sheets right? (laughs) and your baseball equipment's in the hallway and you're tripping over it. Like explain this to me. And she said, well, what if a guest comes over? I said, oh, you're going to build them a fort. Like, (laughs) What is it that you're trying to do here? I said, have one set, put it on the bed that the guest is going to sleep on. And if it, let's say it's a pullout couch or something, then just put that in an ottoman nearby or something like it doesn't, you don't need to have that many. I have my 
I have a beach towel that I have. So if a guest stays over, well, sorry, buddy, you're using the beach towel. And <laughs> no one has ever said, oh my gosh, you're a terrible hostess. Like who cares, right? Like if they need to get dry, a beach towel will dry them. Problem solved. Such a good point. I think a lot of times we get caught up in this idea that we're outfitting our homes for this imaginary life yes. that we think we'd lead or that we would like to lead, which has really no basis in what we really want for ourselves or in reality at all. Oh, 100%. And a lot with the clothing. I, I think a lot oh, of yeah. people dress <laughs> by, they buy clothing. And I use this when I go speak on stages, I use this example all the time. I used to buy clothing for a fictitious event that may or may not occur. I have this outfit that I bought that was way over budget of even now when I have a job. I didn't even have a job back then. It was a, an outfit that was the perfect outfit for a date to the opera. It was like close to $400 and it was the perfect date to the opera outfit. When on earth have I ever did, been on a date to the opera? To this day, I have not. It's so funny. But that's the one outfit that I keep in there just to kind of mock me every time I open my closet <laughs> to say, don't be dumb. Don't do this again. You know, and maybe when I'm 95, I'll go on a date to the opera. But, you know, it's it's one of those like, why did I spend the money on something that I didn't need to impress someone that doesn't even exist at this point? I think it's if we internalize what joy means to us, what does spark joy mean to me? Not what is sparking joy from external factors. Then I think we're really honing in on on our patterns of consumption. And that goes to an environmental standpoint as well. So we're not just buying something for the 30-second satisfaction and then donating it because only 10% of what we donate ends up on the floor of the donation place. Everything else ends up in a landfill anyway. So when you think you're donating, a lot of stuff ends up in the garbage anyway. So it's really something that we need to be mindful of. Speaking of consumption, tell us about your views on zero-waste lifestyle. Uh, I love it. I mean, I've gone down that path over the last probably two years or maybe, yeah, about two years. And the more I do it, the better I feel, the more money I have in the bank. So in my mind, zero waste means finding ways around single use plastics or things, packaging that doesn't need to exist, that exists only for our convenience. When it really only takes 1% effort to make these changes on our own, but it makes a huge impact on the planet for a greater good. We only have one planet. So why aren't we taking better care of it? There are ways that we can make a difference that may take, you know, 1% effort from us, but we'll make a huge percentage of effort on the planet. Like, for example, a buddy of mine has like a reusable straw company. So I have this little pouch that I carry with me everywhere. So if I go somewhere to a restaurant and part of me, I also am a germaphobe. So I, part of the straw thing was a lot of, I just don't want to put my mouth on a glass that I don't know if it's been washed properly. So I've been doing the straw thing for two reasons, but you know, how simple is that for me to just have this straw? If I'm at the airport and I got a Starbucks at the airport or something, I can pop my own straw in there. Or if I get takeout food, the people in my neighborhood here of all the takeout places, they laugh at me because I I go get it myself and I bring Tupperware. They know when I'm coming in, like, don't pack it up until she gets here because she's got her little glass jars. But it's, it's a little thing that makes a huge difference. And I think if more people did, it would be a lot further along. Well, as an environmentalist and a minimalist, we definitely want to get your favorite tidying tip a bit later. But 
before that, we'd love for you to share your favorite recycling tips since you are so conscious about what you consume and how you dispose of it. Mm. I think the best tip that I have for everyone, because I travel around a lot to do this job. So I'm in different countries, different municipalities, different cities. Very often, every place that I've been has different rules. So the number one rule I would say is to read like where you live in your city, what are the rules for recycling? Because sometimes we'll throw in maybe like a pizza box that was in the freezer thinking it's recyclable, but it's not. Or a peanut butter jar, you throw that in after using it into the recycling. But at any time that there's a peanut butter jar in a recycling bin, everything in that bin gets wasted and can't be recycled because of the peanuts, because of allergies. A lot of people don't know this. Even if you think you've properly cleaned it, you may or may not have. And if if that contaminates the rest of the recycling products, when that goes out to someone who's allergic to peanuts, that could kill them. So they are very careful with making sure that if they see a thing of peanut butter, they stop the conveyor belt and they pull everything off that was in that bin. So you're wasting a lot more. So you're better off. And this is, it breaks my heart to say, but you're better off throwing away your peanut butter containers unless you're going to wash them very thoroughly to make sure that there is no trace of peanut on that container. It's such a good point. You know, while you were talking about your experience with zero waste, I remember a story in New York City here where a woman had gone completely zero waste and decided that she would collect anything that she could not either recycle or reuse in a jar. And at the Mm -hmm. end of a year, she had, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, a tiny jar, like a little jar with a screw on lid, full of the things that she found she absolutely could not recycle. And it was phenomenal. And I'm sure it took a lot of effort and a lot of thought and a lot of consideration, but it was really I mean, the accomplishment that she must have felt at that point, you know, it was just really admirable. We're all spending a bit more time at home these days for the health and safety of ourselves, our family, and our community. Are you feeling a little too close to your clutter for comfort? Maybe you're buried under stuff in the home office or craft space, or you're trying to carve out dedicated space for work or homeschool in your basement or on your dining room table. Or maybe you've noticed just how much time you're wasting looking for important papers and emails instead of shifting your time, energy, and resources towards the things that truly matter. During quarantine, my number one priority is to get as many people as possible clutter-free and prepared for the other side of this challenging season. If you're regularly asking yourself, where should I put this? Or am I letting go of enough? Or am I even doing this right? As you can Mari, a customized virtual tidying experience may be the perfect next step for you. While stay-at-home ordinances are activated, I'm continuing to offer virtual Kanmari-based active tidying lessons, including a tidy desk special, perfect for those working or learning from home. Visit ForTheLoveOfTidy.com and click Free Consult to discuss the various virtual organizing options available to help you dig out 
and choose joy once and for all. Where would you suggest that someone who is interested in a zero-waste lifestyle get started? Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that blog about the girl in New York because that's part of what encouraged me to do it. So what I would recommend is to start researching. There are a billion YouTube videos out there and blogs out there of people who have done this already. I would go in and see, because there are different levels of it, as you mentioned, like I'm not quite at the stage of having the jar, but that is in the back of my mind. But there are different levels that appeal to different people. So I would say to go and, and Google it and research it yourself and start off from there. But I would definitely say if you are someone who lives in a city where you get takeout, doing the bringing your own Tupperware to the takeout place eliminates so much waste and it becomes a habit. You get to know the people who work at the takeout place. Like it's kind of become a joke now. Whereas before I would just walk in with my sunglasses, pay, take it and leave. Like I didn't have any really real interaction with these people. And now I'm like their best friend because they're like, yay, Tupperware girl is here, you know, and it, it just makes for a fun experience altogether. But that would be one of the things that I would recommend. And if you're not composting already, I would highly recommend starting that. A lot of people get weirded out because they say, oh, now I need a bin. Now I need all this. What I do for my composting is I have a grocery bag in the freezer. Anytime I've got like a banana peel or, you know, whatever goes in the compost, I just put it in the bag in the freezer. So my apartment doesn't smell like food. There's no bin that's left out. There's no, there's really nothing. The food freezes together. I take it to the bin outside and I dump the bag. Like I open up the bag and I dump the contents because now it's just one frozen block of whatever. And then I take the bag back inside. So it's a great way to compost and get into that habit, which is a huge part of the zero waste because a lot of people throw away food and that causes an insane amount of emissions and things more than even cars. And a lot of people don't know that. So it's, it's a lot about research and understand why you're doing what you're doing. And then you'll you'll click with something and just start from there. Ivanka, oh my gosh. Like I've learned so much from you already. In addition to being a minimalist and an environmentalist, you're also a mental health advocate. Could you share a bit about how those roles intersect and from your perspective, how being organized at home impacts mental health? Yes, 1000%. I think going down the minimalistic journey is what has saved my life. And I don't use those terms lightly. In 2013, I attempted suicide. And I was in the hospital for six weeks. The doctors told me I was lucky to be alive. And when I woke up, I thought like, lucky is the last thing I felt. But one of the doctors said, like, you've been giving a second chance, use it. And so part of how I got down this journey in the first place was when I went back to the school I was teaching at the time, and nobody knew what had happened. They just thought I was in the hospital sick or whatever. I, But when I went back, you know, I used, I'm the bubbly, goofy, tell jokes kind of person. And I, that's the kind of teacher that I was, you know, loving and fun. And that's who the kids needed to see come back. But I, I needed to make sure that I had a safe space to do that. And the clutter on the walls and the clutter on the desks and the clutter on the bookshelves, it was suffocating to me. So on a Saturday before going back to work, I went in and I just completely 
revamped the classroom. I put plants in there. I got rid of all the crap on the walls and I made it a very Zen environment, almost like a spa environment. And not only did I notice my own mental health increase or, you know, feel better or however you want to phrase that, but I was seeing my students feel calmer in the classroom. I was seeing their developmental growth increase. I was seeing all of these improvements, not just for me, but for 30 kids. And so this is kind of how this started down this path. And so each year as I taught, I learned a little bit more about the minimalistic approaches of of education and so on and so forth. And that's, you know, three years later was when I was teaching in this school. And I, I feel like I had perfected it by this point. And that's when one of the teachers gave me Marie Kondo's book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And that's kind of how this all spiraled into where I am today. But I can say I'm not on any medications. I am living my own life in my own calm environment. And I swear by this. And that's why I do what I do for a living. And that's why a lot of the clients who call me, call me because they say, you know what? My mental health has gone downhill. I need help. My marriage is on the fritz. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in my life. I need your help. So for me, it's more than just coming in and moving around some spices in the spice drawer. When I work with my clients, I'm really trying to help them get their life back from a mental health standpoint. So, you know, when people say, is minimalism really worth it? I say 1000%. And the spark joy, you know, when you're only surrounding yourself with things that make you happy, can you be depressed? No. So that's kind of a Cole's Notes version of how this all ties in together. We are currently in the midst of probably one of the most challenging times that any of us have ever known. We're in the middle of a pandemic, being organized, being mentally healthy, and achieving order and comfort at home is probably more important now than it's ever been. All things considered, what is sparking the most joy for you at this very moment? You know, for me right now, it's practicing gratitude. So the spark joy is not actually an item. It's a feeling of, you know, there's a lot going on. I was hospitalized with COVID back in April. I'm still dealing with the side effects of that how many months later. But in the greater scheme of things, you know, I have a roof over my head. I'm sitting here in my room looking around. I've got my plants that make me happy. I've got everything that I need and nothing that I don't. Those are words from a country song. I can't think of it right now, but (laughs) (laughs) oh, it's Zach Brown. I got everything I need and nothing that I don't. Those words really ring true. And I'm, when you're in a state of gratitude, you can't be in another state. You can't be wanting for more. You can't be sad. You can't be angry because you're in a state of being grateful for whatever it is that you have, be it physical objects, family, friends, whatever, your health. So in, I would say to anyone who's been struggling through this pandemic, look on the inside for that inner peace. Don't look to external factors, external objects to, to fill a void. Practice gratitude for what you have and the rest will come. So well put. And we can't part ways without asking one of our favorite questions. What's your favorite tidying tip? Oh, there are so many. You know, I'm going to say the rainbow. When I organize things in a closet or in really any space where there are colors, I always arrange things by rainbow. 
And it just makes it a happy space when you walk into it. With whether it's spice, the spice drawer and you've got different color labels or whether it's a closet and you're organizing your shirts, putting them in the red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet just really brings it. Well, it sparks joy. You know, I'm curious, do you have a way to remember the order of colors in a rainbow? Because I have yet to find a good way to remember it. Oh, I just, at this point, I've done it. I mean, I was an elementary school teacher, so <laughs> if you don't know it, yeah, there's like, yeah, exactly, the Roy Jubin, but I, I just, I think I just, I say it over and over, and then I just remember it, but I think there was a Saved by the Bell episode where Screech was talking about it. I don't know. There are so many different tips, but for me, I just say it over and over, and that's my trick. It's incorporated into who you are as an that's organizer. Right. I love I am a it. walking rainbow. And a grade school teacher. That's so great. So Ivanka, how can our listeners get in touch with you? I would say on if you head over to Instagram at Tidy Moose, you'll find me there. That's where I do most of my posting, most of my interactions. And then in there, there's a link to everything else that you need. If you want to buy my books, there are links there. If you want to hire me, there are links there for that too. Definitely check out at Tidy Moose. Ivanka's Instagram is amazing. She is truly a visual storyteller. And there are many examples of Roy G. Biv over there if (laughs) you need some rainbow color inspiration and more. With that, we thank you so much, Ivanka, for being on this episode of Spark Joy and sharing all of these great practical tips about mental health, environmentalism, and, of course, minimalism combined with a little KonMari. Thank you for having me. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and review the show, which helps us reach others along their tidying journeys. To extend your tidying experience, you can join the Spark Joy Club. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click join the club to become a member of the Spark Joy community or join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your hosts, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast, is not endorsed by or affiliated with Kamari Media, Inc. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Kamari Media, Inc. or the Kamari Consultant Community.